0: Episode 32 of the Four Star Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week is Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. And Rick. Hello. This is going to be an interesting day out, I think. And it's, uh, what a weekend it was. I mean, we went into this match. I don't think any of us were feeling confident about playing Newcastle. Uh, But I don't think any of us were really expecting what we got. Um, I think we were all hoping for a formation change, do something different. Um, but clearly what what Stellini did here, and obviously he suffered the consequences, we'll get to later, but he he made the wrong decision for, for the formation change. And you know, he he played two wing backs in a four man Back line, and uh, what what we got was a uh, uh, annihilated in the first twenty minutes of play, um, in some of the most atrocious Spurs performance that I've ever seen, um, which just showed the, how bad he lost the players and how 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 much that there was no will to really compete, and uh, and and how like change for the change's sake was just not the right decision. Uh, how were you guys feeling after the formation and this first 20 minutes of play? Go ahead, Rick.
1: Well, um, it was evidently clear um, that a, form- a formation change needed to happen. Um, we've been playing the same formation with the same players. I mean, it just has not been worked. But what he did was he did the wrong thing. In hindsight, you know, there's always hindsight. You know, I've been calling for a back four for for months and I I got the back four, but I wasn't happy with the back four, obviously, because we don't have any fit fullbacks. What I wanted to see was the three at the back with the five in midfield and the two up front. That, you know, because we were always going to get outnumbered in midfield against Newcastle because they play five in midfield. So what we should have done was matched them up. in midfield so we should we should have played the five in midfield um and, and that would have helped um you know compete um and then have 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 about three which you know the players have been using the whole system so you know it, it's hard to change that you know with you know seven games left of a season but the other thing that was evidently clear was um that Stellini had completely lost the dressing room for whatever reason. Um, the, the, the players, you know, he, he was saying uh, we weren't prepared for that kind of game. But you're the man in charge. You're the man that has to prepare the team and the players you had all week. So, what didn't you do that you should have done? I, I don't understand that that, that that comment he made. Um, it, it just seemed like the players just didn't care in that first 20 minutes. So when, and, when we, um, and after. You know, after we switched back to the back three, um, you know, things looked better. But obviously, at that point, Newcastle knew they were going to win the game. They didn't have to do anything. Um, So, you know, us playing better was, you know, compounded by them, you know, not not going for more goals. I mean, they tried to go for more goals, but they weren't playing with the same intensity as they did, you know, in the first half. It, it, it was just a total mess. I mean, the, the, this club seems to be run by player power. And, you know, we've had reports about, you know, <coughs> excuse me, reports about the chairman interviewing um, the player representatives, which is, you know, Kane, Holberg, uh, who else?
0: Hugo um, and to, um, uh, Dyer.
1: Hugo and Dyer. You know, three of which of those players are not going to be with us next season. You know, so it, it, it just seemed bizarre. that um, um, the chairman would put so much stock in what they had to say. Um, but I'm I, I'm very dubious about um, their motives. I mean, uh, uh, what did they say to the chairman? Did they say to him, oh, we, "We can't play under this manager; he doesn't know what he's doing"? Or are they looking for a chance out, and they're just saying we're not going to play for this guy because we don't care anymore? I, I don't understand the player motivations. I mean, they always come out, you know, every every week, it infuriates me. They always come out and say, uh, we play badly, but we're going to, you know, we're going to stick together and we're going to play better next game and we're going to try our hardest. And when the next game comes around and they don't, uh, it, 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 it's just, I, I don't know. There's something there's something sort of, inherently wrong with the, this group of players, that they don't seem to want to play with each other or with the manager. So
0: and, yeah and, and and why are we giving the players that much power? Yes, we should listen to what the players have to say about what's going on. But like uh what when, when the players can sack every coach that comes in, you're never going to have a successful coach. Like no matter no, how good I mean, they but,
1: are. But, but, but that, that is not actually an unusual situation. And every chairman will interview players, you know, what's not going right, what's not going wrong, you know, what's going wrong. You know, do you think this manager's up to it? You know, that, you know, that that is not unusual. It just seems like our players have more power than they
0: should. Well, and, um, and at some point, you have to back the coach. Like, and I'm not saying that Conte should have been back better, he probably should have. But, and we know that the, the ownership and Levy are not backing any coach that we bring in. But they did, but they did.
1: They did I mean that that, that that is not an argument that people can make they did back on tape they gave him a hundred and fifty million and he signed seven players last summer. It's not like they didn't try with him
0: like at a certain point like yes, what the players say matters, but the, at a certain point we have to let the ca- coach with the, do what they're going to do. I don't know I want to hear what Lucas has to say about this conversation.
2: Well, another thing too is with, with a guy like Conti, Yes. I agree with you, Anthony. It is important what the players think, but at some point you got to say, it's not as if any one of these players has won and they haven't won anything in the Premier league. Conti's a guy that has won the league and everywhere he goes. So at some point I'm going to have to say, I'm going to side with this guy and take his opinion more importantly, because he knows what he's doing. It's not as if Harry Kane's won a buttload of trophies and it's, Back to the Newcastle game when, uh, when Rick had been saying that it looked like we just didn't care. I think that was so evident by just watching the players when when those first two goals came in right away within like the first five minutes. You didn't see anyone. There wasn't as, as if somebody like got in someone's face or somebody was trying to like rally them forward or get the group together and huddle and try and figure out what was going on. It literally just looked like they all kind of hung their heads and said, ah, screw it. What's the difference between 2-0 and 8-0? doesn't matter. And it's 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 been something that we've been lacking for a long time. And I don't think we have any on-pitch leadership. And then you corner that or you combine that with the fact that it just didn't look like they cared. When I watched uh, – we all got to watch Arsenal drop points on Friday to Southampton, which was great fun for everyone. But Arsenal went down two goals in the first 15 minutes at home to the worst team in the league. And all of a sudden, I think it was uh, – Zinchenko. Yeah, it was Zinchenko. Grabbed. He literally grabbed a couple guys and they had a huddle and they were just they had like their own little players meeting right there after the ball went in the second time. And they were trying to like sort themselves out and rally back. And they ended up going down and getting a goal really short after that. So it's it's it takes that type of leadership. And that's the reason that they're having a lot more success that uh, it's just we we have yet to have even a guy like Harry. I, hugo can't do it from between the pipes so you have to have somebody like harry kane who's the captain of england he's our like assistant captain so wh- where is he when all of a sudden we're down two nil, and everyone's just kind of walking around like they don't care why isn't he getting in somebody's face or grabbing the team and trying to get a huddle together and sort out what the hell's going on it literally looked like everyone just said that eh, fuck it whatever
0: well and then you go to halftime just- uh, oh i'm sorry go ahead rick
1: well, but that's, that, that's, that's exactly what happened. I mean, it, it was like it was just like a, a complete acceptance of what was going on. Then, okay, we just don't care. Um, but what I want to know is the reason for that. Is, is that because they didn't trust the manager? They didn't trust his decisions? They didn't trust the, the player selection? I mean, what is it? What is it that, 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 that these players are so negative about the team? They get paid very well where league, you know i i don't i don't understand what's, what
2: what the problem is i i don't get it and that was a game too where that was that was basically it for the champions league hopes that was like that was when we went down 2-0 like when we went down that was a game where we were playing yeah i know we had been playing bad leading up to this game but like you said with the fifth place thing we were still in contention to try and battle it out with newcastle to see who could finish top 4 and with that on the line, we show up and we turn out that performance. Like how was it that they didn't care when there was all so much to play for? It wasn't like we were 10th in the league and we were on a beach and just could say, screw it, whatever. It's, it was, I don't understand how that mentality has that mentality that these players have has like festered itself or has like infiltrated our dressing room. And I don't get how professional athletes like that with everything still to play for, in a really big game, come out and lay an egg like that and say, we don't care. That was just a huge character statement for a lot of our players, which is just really depressing.
1: Well, it, it'll, be really, it'll be really interesting to see what happens on Thursday against Man United. Because if the players suddenly come out with passion and commitment and, you know, they're diving into tackles, then you've got to think it's the management that was the problem. Because if they, if they want to play for Ryan Mason and not Stellini... Then you know it was Stellini that was the problem. If they come out against Man United and it's the same shit, then there's there's some other issue going on.
0: And, and then we went to halftime, and we we, we have our captain like uh, seemingly getting into uh, fights with with the the other players in the locker uh, room. Allegedly, yeah. Allegedly. I, I something certainly happened in that locker room and and Hugo did not come out rumor has it that he refused to come out and if that's the case, I don't want to see Hugo play for the rest of the year you gotta you gotta step up and and own what's going on and and play that role. I'd rather watch Fraser Forrester at this point whatever happened in that locker room clearly like he he was part of that. Um, Yeah,
1: I I actually find that very hard to believe that he basically just turned around and refused to play. I I find that very hard to believe. Um, I could see where he might have had a leg injury, you know, something tiny, and then he used that as an excuse. Or maybe he had a face-to-face with one player or two players and they had a balls out argument and he told them to bug off whatever it was but I I kind of find it hard that a player would just refuse to play because you know at that point when you you do that you know at that point that you're done basically in the team you know none of the other players are going to respect you ever again and you're not going to play ever again it's just it's just kind of unbelievable
2: to me yeah, and I can't see Hugo – I can't really see Hugo doing that, and all we can do is speculate, but I do have to believe that there was some altercations in the locker room. I'm sure he got in someone's face because we know that he's done that before. I remember when we played Everton a couple years ago during the project restart, and he got it in – or he was, he and Sonny were, like, going at it on the pitch. So it's like I, I could definitely see him pulling some guys aside in the locker room, and if that's true, good, because that means at least someone cared and someone gave a shit, <laughs> so we didn't see it from anybody else.
0: Uh, whatever was going on in the locker room tells me that this team is not together as a team right now. And that's why, I mean, like, I, I don't think anybody's in disagreement that Stellini needed to be sacked right away. Because regardless of whether it's his fault, it's Levy's fault. And we, and we got the club statement that came after the, this match this this morning where... Levy takes some of the blame for once in his life, but the, like kind of a half-assed like, oh, you know, like uh, the buck stops here is essentially what he said um, in his statement. So, yeah, OK, finally, you're taking a little bit uh, of the blame, but whatever the blame, like these players are just not enjoying playing together. Like everything that's happened, has just lost the locker. The the coaches have lost the locker room. The the players don't have a the will to play, and it's just uh, we've become a miserable organization right now. Um, and I I can only hope at this point that Ryan Mason can can shake something loose and just get people to enjoy the game again for a little bit. Uh, Rick, well I. I... I really hate
1: um, fans that use hindsight as evidence of that they were right, okay because I, I, I'll, br- I'll bring you back to the point when Conte left and Staline was appointed. There is not one Spurs fan that said, "Oh, this is a bad idea. The day he was appointed, I'm not saying after, after the first game or after the second game, but the day he was appointed, there is one Spurs fan that said, "Oh, this is a bad idea." And the reason for that is when Stellini was in charge, when Conte was absent, we actually did play well. We won games, and I don't think we lost one. I think it was like four wins or three wins in a draw. And we actually played a bit better under Stellini than we did under Conte at that time. So when he was appointed, nobody said, oh, no, this is a bad idea, because of that little bit of history that we had with Stellini prior. It was only after the first game, I would say, or no, probably after the second game, the second game, then people went, "Well, he's not changing anything. He's just doing everything Conte did." I mean, he's literally not doing anything. He's just picking the same players and the same formation and expect different things to happen, and and that's when people started to doubt him. But it wasn't, it wasn't initial, you know, when, when he was appointed. So
0: people, you know, people. It, used- I want to differ with you, like I, Rick. I, I think we said on here that. Like this isn't going to change much. Stellini's going to kind of maintain the status yeah, quo, was, and we said maybe that's okay because we can't change up that much uh, in this point. But yeah, go ahead, Lucas. You, no, I I agree with Rick because it
2: is it's it's easy for us to it, it is easy for us to use hindsight and say, oh well, see, I told you that that was going to happen. But Rick, I do agree with Rick to an extent that a lot of us were okay with the Stellini thing because, as Rick had mentioned, when he stepped in for Conti when Conti was sick or Conti was out or something, every time he stepped in the players seemed to be up for him and like they seemed to be working hard. So I just, I do wonder what the hell has happened within the last couple of weeks that they went from, because we, we had evidence that they were willing to play for him and they were willing to work hard for him. And then all of a sudden something has happened in the last couple of weeks where it has just gone absolutely downhill. And the players seem to just, they, they didn't seem to give a shit for him, but I was cautious with the fact when we signed, when we brought uh, appointed him, the only thing I was cautious about was just that I was like, is he going to do the same thing? And if that's the case, I could see this being problematic. I was, I was hoping that he would try and use these games as like an audition for him to try and prove he has his own style or has his own way of doing things. And that way he can use this as like, he can use this in his portfolio as to why somebody should appoint him a new manager job. So that's what I was hoping was going to happen. And it just, It's unfortunate that it ends up being just a huge waste and we basically just fucked ourselves out of a Champions League spot. And at this point, I honestly hope we don't even make Europe because we just need to we need to blow it up and we need to do a a huge rebuild. And I, I just I think it'd be best for us to start from start from scratch with one game a week to worry about. Well, I'll give you I'll give you an analogy. Um, there was a documentary
1: about the England team, and when when Graham Taylor was manager, and the documentary is called uh, "The Impossible Job." Okay, if you've never seen it, um, look it up. It's, it's, I think it's free on YouTube. You can look it up. But in that documentary, there, um, Graham Graham Taylor is the England manager, and Phil Neal is his um, who, who used to be a player. He played for Liverpool. Uh, he was his assistant. And throughout the whole documentary, it became like a running joke that whatever Graham Taylor said, Phil Neal agreed with it. It just went, you know, and so he said, oh, shall I bring on him? Yeah, oh, yeah, we should bring on him. Uh, you know, shall we substitute him? Yes, we should, you know. But it, it became a, a a huge running joke. And I just think that's what Stellini's like. You know, Conte's sitting there as manager saying, oh, should we make a substitution? And so you will go, okay. Do you know what I mean? He was just a yes man to the manager um and and you're right, you know i I was expecting uh you know stellini to actually use this as an audition because all he's done since he took over is prove that he's a an assistant manager. That's all he's done. when he had the email, you know, he had the opportunity of managing a, a top five Premiership team, you know with with you know some star players, you know a few star players, and he had the opportunity to go. Okay, I'm going to put my stamp on this team. We keep getting outnumbered in midfield. I'm going to I'm going to change the formation, um, and put uh, and put in an extra midfielder player, and we get more possession. Because you know, we've had no trouble scoring goals. We've we, what what the problem has been, is the defence. You know, we keep letting in goals, and, and and that's always that's been the problem. I think we're still the third top scorer in the league, or maybe fourth behind Newcastle now. You know, so we haven't had trouble scoring. It's, 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 it's. You know, we always end up behind, <clears throat> or we end up a couple of goals ahead and then losing goals and and, and end up drawing the games. So yeah, I, I, I'm really angry at Stellini for for not having the ambition to be a proper manager. Wisdom done is proved he's an assistant.
0: It's it's pretty miserable right now, and it's. Yeah, they, they have appointed Ryan Mason right off the bat? Uh, I mean, hindsight, yeah, but like prob- probably like that would not have been great, but at least it would have been different. Um, but uh, also I see like our player personnel doesn't really allow for any changes right now. Like we we've, yeah. we we've brought in Conti players for all this time. So to your point earlier, Rick, we've been buying Conti players. uh for a while, not, not as strong of Conte players as he probably wanted. Like uh he was probably still disappointed in what we brought in, but we brought in wing backs, we brought in like a t- attacking talent like Rich We got all these guys that um that yeah, improved the attack, improved the wings. Uh and we've left uh the, the, the midfield a bust um once Bentoncourt got went down. And and, and and now, like yeah, like Sar is not going to make a difference in, in in a game. Like I, I really thought that like the the solution would have been keep with the three at the back because we don't have any solutions with the wing backs that we have and no fullbacks healthy right now, like and just move an attacking player into the midfield, whether that's Kaner or Kulishevsky are the probably the two that could do that. Kulishevsky l- looking like dog shit lately. I think it's health. Like, I don't want to blame him for it. Cause I think he's a good player, but he's looked like dog shit. Like, so fucking Kane bite the bullet and be like, you know, you're the only guy that can do this job for us right now. And we put like uh son and Richarlison up top and we play Kane in like a, a attacking midfield role. And it, it, we have three men in the midfield. We have two strong wingbacks, three at the back. That can kind of hold up, even even if one of those three is Sanchez or or Tanganga, like, it would have been better than this shit that we saw. I mean, well, like, it, well, see, it, it all
1: harks back to the last summer, and, and this is where I blame Conte and not Levy because people people blame Levy all the time, but this is where I blame Conte because Conte, for whatever reason, um. I mean, we, yeah, I kind, I kind of don't blame him, but I kind of do blame him. He wanted, he, he, you know, we were screaming out for at least one new centre back, proper centre back, not Langley level, something a bit better than that. We were screaming for that, and we were screaming for a central midfielder, you know. And what did we get? Winger, 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 winger,
0: winger striker. It, 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 do you know what I mean? And Langley, And Langley, And Langley. Yeah, but who? who, who I'm going to be fair to Paradity who I think was trying hard. Like he was, they were, we were going hard for Bastoni, and but, he didn't want to leave. Like
1: uh, no, but there, there are. Millions
0: look are and they didn't want to let him leave. And no, uh, but like, there, there are. You know, you're ch- you're there ch- are, ch- ch- are other about guys. <laughs>
1: You're talking about absolute elite level centre backs. You know, you're talking about the 60, 70 million pound centre backs. But there are 40 million pound centre out there. There are 50 million centre, 50 million centre backs out there that could, that are better than Sanchez. I mean, almost all of them are better than Sanchez. Do you know what I mean? It's it's
0: it's it, our scouting department has been awful. We needed better than Davis. Or dire is what we needed in the centre-back if we're going to play this three, but yeah. but And remember what Conte did in the summer. Uh,
1: well, what Conte did in the summer, he, we got those seven players, but what he did in January was even worse. I mean, it, it was like he literally gutted the midfield and sent them all out on loan. And then we had, we ended up with one injury, or mo no, actually two injuries, and we ended up with Skip and Hoiberg, for the whole rest of the season. Do you know what I mean? He, he got rid of Gil when he shouldn't have got rid of Gil. Nostal um, has proved when he plays for Argentina that he's class, absolute class when he plays for Barcelona. He keeps setting up uh, Messi for goal after goal after goal. It's ridiculous. Uh, you, you know, at some point, you, you know, I, I blame Conte for what he did to the team. And 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 then and then he and then at the end he goes, well, I can't work with these players. But these are the
0: players that you chose. You got you know well, rid. I I mean? you got rid of, of them. Like like I think he wanted slightly better players than he got, but he certainly was involved in the choosing of the the, the second choice. He, like he, like, he, he it, that he wasn't he, all Peretti. It was all, no, he, it, no, he wanted
1: Perisic, and Perisic has been crap the whole season but he well, wanted perisic for,
2: well, for a that. match, and that's on him well that's well the, the thing with that one is <clears throat> we did a we did a poor job like by going out and getting perisic the hope was that perisic could be a rotational guy that sesengon can learn from sesengon can develop into and then we can have sesengon go forward and be the main guy and have perisic rotate in or come in for 30 minutes here and there when we need his skill set that was what the hope was but that doesn't make sense either because in since Sesan Young's been here we haven't seen him be healthy for more than four games in a row so we were yeah, you, banking on the fact yeah. that like we were banking on the fact that our entire season was going to be like a whole fit healthy Sesan year which never happens and of course it didn't happen and then we get stuck with having an old slow Perisic that can't really do much and can't give you yeah. 90 full minutes multiple times a week and and we fucked ourselves by that. And so that was, I think, to me, I don't know who it is, whether it be – I don't know who the full blame is in terms of who was making these decisions. I'm sure it's a little bit of Levy and Conti not being able to see eye-to-eye on certain things. But
0: – Pradaji probably has yeah, some – Yeah, Pradaji like,
2: might have some blame in there too. But the point is we didn't – yeah, we spent money in the summer, but we didn't spend it wisely. And that's the problem is we had – we bought seventy million dollars. We bought our record signing for seventy million in Richarlison, who was a player that we didn't need, or didn't and haven't used. So it's like there were so many different areas that we needed to improve. And I mean, it, it's just it is, a, it's just really unfortunate that well, we th- wasted well, a really about- good opportunity with a really good manager.
1: Well, think think about the the, the difference would have been to this team. If that that 65 million that they spent on Richarlison was spent on the centre back, the difference would be in yeah. mix. You know. Yep. Um, but but my argument with it is um we as fans watch these players day in and day out. Now we watch these players previous to the management, you know, we've watched them last year, the year before, the year before that. If any, any of the management came to any fan, any fan, and said, we're going to have Cessignol and we're going to have Perisic on the left wing. Any fan would have said to you, no, don't do that. Because Cessignol will get injured for three months and you'll be relying on Perisic. Every fan would have told them that. So why can't they see it? I, I, it it it's, it's just bizarre to me that they call. not should be a lot of fair a lot
0: of fans see. were like, "This was on a free." Like I think we even had that conversation over the summer. This was on a free. Like there's no harm in getting a Parisi on a free. No,
1: but the, no, the harm was having Sessiung learn from Parisi and be either backup or rotational from Parisi. That was never going to work. Sessiung needs to leave the, the, pro- the
0: problem was not getting Udagi now like paying the extra money yeah. to get him now that that would have yeah. been the difference maker over the summer more than like perisic whatever like bring bring him in to teach guys like uh, if if a good he's locker room presence yeah like uh, like he's on a free like yeah fine if he's a conti guy like bring him in and l- learn the system but we needed to udogi then, because we knew that Sessegnan wasn't reliable. We but, knew that, but wh- why didn't they know that? That's, yeah. that's my argument. Yeah. Why didn't they know that? Well, um, I want to have like a shift the conversation. We're not doing our normal format. We're not doing the MVP, LVP. We're not talking about this dog shit match that we ha- all had to endure. Um, but I do want oh, to...
1: Well, 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 one thing I do want to say, you know, you know, we, we always go to the bar and we watch the game. I always sit in my seat. After that, after the fourth goal went in, I actually left the bar. I actually walked outside and smoked a cigarette. I, I just couldn't take it. And I never, never leave watching a game, ever. And what I saw, it wasn't the goals. It wasn't, the, you know, because you were falling down. It was the way we were playing that, that really annoyed me to the point where I left the bar.
2: Well, and you to be know, fair, I, that's, and that's a good point, Rick, too. The thing with – I'm, I'm always a big believer in not leaving, and I've never left the game early. I've never I, – I, I'm with you on that. There's just I, – I didn't blame the fans that were that, – that left early because if the players don't give a shit, why should we? It has nothing to do – like, if we were working our asses off and guys seemed like they cared and, like, a better team just pummeled us, that happens. That's football. But, like – yeah, when when the players just gave up, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I don't blame any of these fans for leaving because if they don't give a shit, why the hell should we be expected to give a shit when they're the ones actually getting paid? <laughs> we're put we're putting our time and money out there to try and support this team, and if they don't care, why the hell should we? Yeah,
1: yeah, and they've got a six hour journey to get home. You know, yeah. No, I I don't blame them at all.
0: Yeah, but so what we got to was this point where. Um, we all knew that this morning was going to bring, a uh, Stellini sacking. Um, like, I don't think anybody was in doubt that, like, we were going to keep him around for, let, yeah, let's have, re-up some more of this. Um, that wasn't going to happen after all this bullshit that we've just talked about happened. So, today, we, we get the sacking, we get the, the half-assed Levy apology, and we get the, um... Uh, Ryan Mason appointed. So I want to talk a little bit like Ryan Mason coming in. Like we all thought that he only didn't get the job originally because, um, his, uh, he's about to have a child and like a, he might not be available for a period of time. Uh, but we, we've, cl- we've clearly got, gotten to the point where we have no other choice, but to appoint him as interim coach, um. But now the whole coaching staff is sacked along with Stolini, other than um, Mason, um, and we don't know who's going to be the rest of this coaching staff yet. So I want to have a little bit of a conversation about like uh, where we might go from here, um, and like I'm thinking like wh- whoever we bring in has to be willing to support Mason, provide some I- insight. And we, I think the primary thing for me is we need to see these players start to enjoy playing football again, like just, just go around, kick the ball around a bit, like like football again. Like I'm, like I feel like I'm in a Ted Lasso episode, but like j- just these guys have to love football again and realize why they started playing to begin with. And just do what they're best at. Like somebody just throw them out there to do best at. So I guess what I'm saying is, uh, um, maybe uh, help me, Harry Redknapp. You're my only hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll shit my wrist if that happens. Um, Go, I think Lucas is first though. Before like you can tear apart my Redknapp. Um, well, the thing I would the, love to see him on a bench. Uh, I would love to see him on a bench coach uh, to like help support uh, Mason right. at this point.
2: But there was um, – no, I think the thing with Mason is what I want to see in this I, – what I want to see in this next couple of weeks as we finish out the season here is I want to see Mason allow these players to play in the roles that they're best at. And then we can actually see what we have. Because we've just spent this entire season – and we still don't know what we have in some of these players because they haven't been playing roles that, that suited them. Like we didn't, we don't know what we have in, we don't know what we have in like Royale because Royale has been shit because Royale's not a wingback. Well, it's not fair for us to bash him for sucking at wingback when he doesn't play wingback.
0: You don't no, stick I
2: back your you for you not very good. <laughs> yeah, but it's, yeah, it's. But
0: he it, wants to leave now too. He wants yeah, to go to a it, team that can compete. Like, yeah, exactly. Oh, I, and, I, and teams want him because he has been pretty good when he's been asked to do things that he's qualified to do.
2: And that's what I want to see from Mason and in, in his group here as they come in is actually allow these players to play roles that suit them, and then we can see what we have. And the new manager coming in can now have can now have a little bit of uh, like a little bit of insight. I don't, yeah, a little bit of insight as to what he has and what he needs and what he's going to want to do with some of these guys. And that's important because the worst thing we can do this summer is do what we did when we hired Nuno and we wait forever. We have everything blow up in our face and we end up with our 11th choice. And then he's got to come in and has no idea what he has to work with. And now we're starting off the season and we wasted the entire summer. So we need to kind of get, get this opportunity needs to be like top four is off. So we have no pressure there. We have no real pressure to worry about. So yeah, let's let these guys play roles that suit them. And then we can actually have a little bit of insight as to what we're working with.
0: That's why I'd be okay with like Harry Redknapp coming in a supporting role uh, because he is somebody that just lets the guys play, play some football, like just go out there and kick the ball around a bit. But um, I know Rick's going to disagree with me. Um, but uh, we also have to look at the guys like Jermaine Defoe's been in the organization. Yaya Torrey is uh, uh, there. Like, I, I could see these guys filling out the staff. But, and I'm a little tongue-in-cheek with my Harry Redknapp, but he's offered the the, the job. And I, I want to be opposed to it in this situation. I don't want him to come onto the team and coach it again in the future. But as like a... Um, interim position to just get us through this year and just let guys kick the ball around and figure it out. Tear me down, Rick. Go for it. Um, the, the problem as I see it is
1: um, we could bring in the best manager in the world right now. We could bring in Guardiola right now, OK? But just for instance, and it won't make one jot of difference. Nothing. Because we are limited with the squad that we have, the players that we have, and the positions that those players play, um, we can't play with a back four because we have no fullbacks. We can't play with a um, we can't play a possession-based game because we have no players that can hold possession. Do you see what I mean? We are so limited in the player abilities and the player availability that we have that it doesn't matter right now. These last six games don't matter. Just expect us to lose every one of these, no matter who was manager. So, you know, I know you are saying Redknapp, tongue in cheek. All he's good for is a good laugh, and that's about it.
0: Um, <coughs> what he's I good see. for just getting people to enjoy the – just let them do what they're good at. Like, just let them run out there and play some football – like that's what I think right. we. I'm, I'm that's, in that's that's what players. we need to do for this time <laughs> period. It's not about like we're, we're not gonna get top four. We're 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 not gonna start winning games. Like that shit's not gonna happen in this interim no, situation. Because, no, because we just need to get people back playing what doing what they're best at, and
1: which is yeah. what which is what I think Mason Mason is gonna do because the one thing that my, is, He's a friend to the players, and he's a and a good man manager. Man manager. He may not be a good football manager, but he's a good man manager. You know, the players rely on him, they confide in him, they talk to him, and and he will be able to get them to play together. Um, the problem. My problem is, i I highlighted, like is the fact that we just don't have players in positions to switch it up too much. What I want to see, and what I hope to see. Is that we play with more midfield players and less strikers? We don't need um, Sun and Kulisev and Kane. It doesn't, you know, Kulisev, as you mentioned before, has been playing crap. I mean, crap. So, why does he keep getting picked? Why? Because we're playing that formation and that I'm at and that was the end of it. You know, we're playing 3 4 3, and we're playing that, but why then don't you switch Sun to the right and put Dan Jumbo on the left and, and drop? It's, actually, it's these kind of things that uh, have irritated me where you can change things but not change um, the system but you can change it with uh, um more enthusiastic players or players that are fitter or personnel players fitters, that are like informed hockey, yeah personnel okay. changes not, not necessarily information <laughs> what, what the other thing that's annoyed me is um when you watch other teams like Liverpool and uh, you know Liverpool and Chelsea, they're both going through a little bit of um, uh, you know a, a transition period themselves. But what they do and what we don't do is that they promote youth players. They you know Liverpool Liverpool have been playing Harvey Elliott in central midfield for game after game after game after game after game, and occasionally they have a good win occasionally they will lose. But at least they're picking a 21-year-old player to play in Central midfield. OK? We've got Alfie Devine and some other player I've never heard of are sitting on the bench uh, against Newcastle. And they sat on the bench the whole game. Now, I can guarantee 100% that if you put one of those players in, they may not be technically up to the game. They, the game may have resulted in the same result. But you can bet 100% that these players would have run around like crazy. And they would have put more enthusiasm and more energy and more commitment into playing than whoever they replaced.
0: And like we yeah. talked about you know at I mean? the pub, Rick, put a, we have to have a fullback. I don't know who that guy is. We have to have a fullback in their youth system. Just throw yeah. that guy out we've there. Put, if you, if you really want and to more. play the back four, bring some fucking fullbacks in and let them try. And we might still lose, but at least it might... Uh, yeah, what have you got that. to lose? What have you got to lose at this point? You know, promote promote two fullbacks
1: from the under twenty ones, Put but one of them at right back and one of them at left back and play four at back and see what happens. When you're playing players that are actually in the position you play, they're going to be more knowledgeable than a wing-back who's never played fullback ever. You, you, you know what I mean? It, you know, it, it, it 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 just seems like we are scared. The management, the the previous management and the previous management to that, they're just so scared of promoting youth players because, you know, they think, oh, experience is much better than youth. Not. Arsenal have a team of, you know, 21-year-olds, all of them, you know. They have maybe one player that's like 27, 28, and the rest of them are all 23, 24, 21. You know, I'm not saying you're going to win stuff with youth players, but what you're going to do is, if you play youth players, they may not be good now, but they'll be good next season or the season after. If you never play them, what happens is they end up getting sold to some championship side because they've never had primitive experience. It just—it's it, bizarre to me that we don't we don't do that when when you. Because that's the one thing—the you, you, the one advantage of having the twenty-five-man squad—it doesn't include under-21 players. So you can have five under-21 players in your squad, sitting on the bench, all waiting to you know to come on in case there's an injury. And we just don't do it, and it infuriates me. Because you know we must have, must have at least two under-21 um, left backs and two under-21 uh, right backs. We must have. Because every, you know you, you know, you just can't have a team much.
0: Well, uh, we've let Rick rant for a while. So I'm uh, I'm going to say, Lucas, bring us home on this conversation before we go to half. Have...
2: Yeah, I think I, I agree. And I think with Rick, what he was saying there is it, it is disappointing that when we have the way we've done it with. Even the way we've used like some of our youth guys loaning, like we've made poor loans. Um, we haven't got these guys experience and we end up letting like guys rot that could have been potential talents. And like look at even with what we were talking about with switching stuff up, look at Dan Juma. Like Dan Juma's been a player that we've seen the last couple weeks look really, really great. We couldn't have used that in February or March or he sat on the bench and did nothing for he played against Preston North end scored a goal. And then we never saw him again for three months. And now because we need to, he comes in and it seems like there's a real player there. It's like we could have, I, I just, I don't get why we continue to do this where we just don't get, we don't ever learn what we have in these players because we refuse to try something different or make a change, make a sub, do something that would just like we saw against Newcastle. No Richardson, no need for him. Doesn't come on. We, we saw it against Bournemouth. We saw it against Everton. It's like, I don't know. We just we've seemed so stuck in our ways this season, and it's really hurt us.
0: Yeah, no, definitely.
2: I'm, 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 at, I'm at Conte's fault and yeah.
1: Stellini's fault. Yeah. It's not it's not Daniel Levy's fault. It's uh, it's,
0: it's, it's the managers. Fault. Uh, I mean, like Daniel Levy has some. Uh, some blame. Like, I don't think he's fully black backed to any manager the way that they need to be backed uh, going back to Pochettino. I don't think like he really like, and there was a certain element of Pochettino, um, wanted his players and when he didn't get them. He didn't say like, give the red light to the, a good backup decision, um, on players. Um, but, well, this, this is what, this is why I don't want but, uh, back. Because,
1: but, but, well, let me just say this: this is I'll why I don't want back. We don't have to worry about it at this point. But well, um, we don't know. Um, but this is why I don't want him back because when we had the opportunity, um, you know, um, I, I think it was about a year before the Champions League final. You know, we didn't sign a player for eighteen months. If, any manager worth their salt would have resigned. Would have just said no, you know, I'm not, you know, for whatever reason, you know, we're not signing players, I'm not putting up with this, I can't deal with this, it's, it's not right. If it was the chairman's choice not to sign players and not the manager, but it but he stuck on when we didn't sign that a player for 18 months, so he must have been part of that conversation. He no, must I, have been,
0: I, I think it was uh, like he wanted certain players, they want to give him the players, um, so he. He didn't give the red, the green light to players that would have been adequate but not as good, and uh, and and that's what led us to that point because they couldn't reach eye to eye, and I think we would still run into those problems if we had him back again. Um, yeah, but, but, then he, but, but, then but then everybody he, after, he, him, he, after him's been the same problem. Like you know, K- Conte got players, but it wasn't a hundred percent the players he wanted but at a certain we don't point, know that we a, don't know a, that a, a, co- a certain point a coach has to be able to deal with like you're not going to get everything that you want in places unless you're fucking man city and you you have to be willing to uh, work in the system and we're just not seeing that right now and um it's frustrating um there's going to be more to be said about this in the second half where we are going to talk about like who our next uh um coach could be. There's a lot going on in the uh, the coach search right now, as even be- before this uh, horrible match um, and now after. Um, and then we have two matches to preview the Manchester United game and the Liverpool game. But um, we're, We don't have a halftime segment because Lu- Lucas and all of us don't want to predict shit right now after that miserable performance. Uh, so we're just going to take a break and we'll be back in just a minute well welcome back Uh, so we have to go into this conversation so before we preview these games we've got to have a conversation about who our next manager will be and a lot's happened i mean there was uh, um a lot of fans calling out for pochettino i think we've kind of uh shared our thoughts on that even in the first half here um but now uh, that Nagelsman is kind of backed out of the Chelsea search it seems like he's more of a possibility right now uh, we also have Arna slot who's who's a potential manager but uh, we've got a, a lot of listener questions on managers and rather than trying to tackle each question I think we're I'm just gonna read off the questions and we appreciate the questions from all of our listeners Um but I think we're gonna have a general conversation and I think we'll get to most of what's being asked here in our conversation. So, uh, Shubes asks us, uh, such a roundabout of managers from the, from a quote unquote big club. Um, and then he asks uh, chairman GM accepting responsibility. We kind of tackled that, that part of the question in the first half, I, I think a little bit, um, then uh, from Chicago Spurs, uh, so m- that's uh, Michael, who's uh, b- one of our participants in the podcast. He, uh, he, he asks, uh, who fits better, uh, Nagelsmann or Potch? Um, and then uh, we have from Kyle Mates. He asks us, what are your thoughts on uh, managerial hiring of more recent players? Gerard, company, Lampard, etc. cetera. Um, compared to... Uh, more season compared to a more seasoned manager. Um, seems like they can relate better to players without the proven success. Do you think that as a, that that that's a possible option for Spurs going forward? And we have been connected to, um, Vincent company, though. I don't know how realistic of an option that is. Um, Brian Mason's a young guy that we get to see a little bit. I don't think he's a long-term solution for for coach. But how are you guys feeling on youth coaches, um, the potential options of people like Nagelsmann, and does any of it really matter until we sort some sort our shit out? Uh, go ahead, Lucas. You can tackle this first.
2: <clears throat> well, the big thing is, I think a lot of the people want. All the Poch stuff, for me personally, I would not like to see Poch return. Um, I think people – it's easy to be very nostalgic and remember all the good times we had with him. But when we do that, we seem to forget that there was a lot of problems that we had under Pochettino as well that I don't think enough time has gone by that would really sort this stuff out. That last season that Poch was here, we didn't win an away game. We won – we beat Fulham away in early January, and then we didn't win another Premier League away game until – he was sacked and Jose came in and won one in his first game against West Ham in November. So it's, it's not as if it was all sunshine and roses, even at the end there with Poch, there was a lot of problems that that team had. Um, And I think with the Nagelsmann thing, I think it would be great to have Nagelsmann. I just think that based on what I've heard, the reasons that he was having, he couldn't see eye to eye with the management or like the ownership and stuff with Chelsea. And if that's true with a club that is willing to spend 700 million in a Couple windows. Wh- why would we think that he's going to sit down with Daniel Levy and all of a sudden head off like gangbusters and be best friends and be willing to take this job? Like he's not going to get backed a lot, and he's not going to get like compared to what he could if he went to other big clubs. And I think that's unfortunately, I don't think it really matters who we bring in, um, because I think it's it's not going to really change until we a get a lot of these players out. We have to change a lot of the. There's a lot of turnover that's going to need to happen. And then I also think that it's going to, again, I don't want to just completely bash Levy, but when you have to look at the, like the same thing, Levy's been here for 20-something years, and he's only signed one manager to a re, uh, an extension on his contract. That says a lot that the common denominator is the way we do business. And until that changes, I don't really think, because look, I mean, bringing in, we just brought in some of the two of the most winningest managers in Europe, and neither one of them was able to make it work. So I think I think that there's a lot of underlying things in the way we do business that are just we've kind of plateaued, and until we change the way we operate as a club, and I, I, I don't I don't see Jesus Christ himself could become manager, and I don't think it's going to help.
0: Well, and I don't see like an Enrique getting anything different. Like I see a guy like that coming in, it's going to be another year and a half. Like Pochettino is really the only guy that got that extension that lasted for like four or five seasons. And like, yeah, to, to be fair to Pochettino, despite all of his faults, like, uh, um, you know, he had us in champions league for four consecutive years. He, he, he certainly, um, had a, like a read on the players that, that got people loving playing for him for an extended period of time. It fell apart at the end uh, when Erickson wanted to leave. And uh, I think they, they brought in the wrong players after n- having two weak windows. But um, but somebody more in that vein, obviously doesn't seem to be Pochettino who seems to be going, like it seems like he's going to Chelsea right now which I'm not upset about like I I know a lot of fans are really pissed off that he might be going there and you know if we're not going to offer him the job then like we can't bitch about him taking a job someplace else like if he went to Arsenal that would be a different story but um yeah Chelsea is probably the next worst we're going to feel ba- bad about seeing him in a Chelsea uh, on a Chelsea team but Regardless, I think we need somebody in that vein that maybe has a little bit more winning credibility than Pacino uh, that that might stick around for a little bit and provide us with a um, a team building like an atmosphere that players really want to play for him. And but yeah, like it it, it does kind of feel like uh, like Levy's going to ruin it all in the end at this point. Like I mean whatever structure he's trying to build right now between him and the the football decisions, like, none of us have faith that that's going to work with him still in charge. So, yeah, how are you guys feeling on all this? Uh, Rick, let's uh, let you tackle this next.
1: Um, As it goes to who I want, um, it's not... Um, a particular person I want. What I want is a manager that's going to come in and have a vision of how going to play. Just off the bat, just like walk in and go, OK, we're going to play counter-attacking football, possession football, um um, high-pressing football, whatever it is. I want a manager to come in with that idea in mind, OK? And then look at the squad and go, OK, you're going to fit in. You're going to fit in. You're not going to fit in. You're not going to fit in, and get rid of them. You know, and just you know, because it, it, we've done it before. You know, we're under Levy, We've done it before. You know, we've signed players like Modric for sixteen million. We signed them Bailey for fifteen million. You know, we we signed Carrick for ten million. We signed Bale for four million. These players can be found without breaking the bank. It's possible. You know, and young, young uh, well, um, lesser teams like Brighton and Brentford seem to find these players. So they go out in Europe and they, they have a clear vision of how they want to play. And they buy, buy specific players that are not uh, world, you know, they're not body over 50 million pound players that everybody wants. But they buy players that fit the system. OK, and then they buy backups for those players. So you know, so they have they have a consistent way of playing, and they have consi- and players that can play consistently in that system, and that's what I want. And I think that's what Nagelism will bring to us because you know uh, they had you know um, Bayern had a, a you know a specific way of playing, and uh, you know he, he he brought in players to fit that system. He didn't you know. He didn't go out and buy Holland. And, you, you, do you know what I mean? You, you, can, you can do it without, without down the, the Guardiola route and just buying the absolute best player for that position. You, you can do it. you know. Um, so I, I want a manager that's going to come in and look at these players and go, well, you know, Sessional, okay, we bought you for 30 million and you've literally played 15 games in three years. Bye. Goodbye. I'm not going to rely on you. I'm not going to go. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say, oh, well, we'll see how it goes and let's see how a pre- good a preseason you're going to have and let's see if you can stay
0: fit for the, the following season.
1: No. You show no evidence that that's going to happen. We're going to so go focus want-
0: next, but I also want to ask, like, how do you feel about, like, say, a Vincent company that uh, is like a younger manager, like a recent player that... <coughs> Might be able to reach out to players better uh, before we go to Lucas. Uh,
1: well, again, I, I don't really care who it is. I want the manager to come in and and, and sort out the squad. This squad needs sorting out, and you know, um, Pochettino is not the man to do that. Pochettino inherited a very good uh, a very good squad and just added a couple of pieces uh, and then relied on those players week in week out yeah you know, I, mean, I don't know if you recall it was like you could predict the lineup every week with potch it was it was just ridiculous and because we had good players it worked but you know he never really you know introduced young players and he didn't you know switch it up or anything like that so i i don't really trust Poch to be able to handle
0: so you'd rather have a younger coach or less experienced like an i want i coach. i want to i want to
1: i want to I want I want a coach that has a clear vision of what, what he wants to do and then, and then have the confidence to um buy players that will fit the
0: system and get rid of players that don't. Well stop split Lucas now. Go ahead, Lucas.
2: Yeah, I I when when it comes to like whether or not I'd want to have someone that's a younger, kind of like a recent player one, I, I think I would err on the side of having a manager that has the experience and has gone out and done it before, because I think that it kind of goes to what Rick was saying. I think when you have a manager that has proven that he has an identity and he has a system that he wants to implement, and he's proven that it works, I think that it's easier – because that to to me that's very important. And so like I would rather have the coach that has gone out and done it with his system. And there's two words that I use that are the most important things. Because, again, I can't agree with Rick more on that because he said – it's not who he wants, it's what he wants. That's what I want too is I don't really care which manager it is, but I need them to have two things. I need them to have an identity and flexibility. Because the identity is so important. When you watch that game against Newcastle and you watch how we've been playing, and then if you just watch like Brighton, Brentford, Newcastle, Arsenal, uh, Liverpool, City, when you watch these teams play, they have a, you have a them play. Team. They have an identity and they know what they're trying to do. We don't have an identity right now. It is so obvious that every time a player in the midfield gets the ball, they have no clue what they're supposed to do with it. It's like, it, it doesn't look like we, we don't have it. There's no fluidity to it. It just, it doesn't seem like the players know what they're supposed to be or like what the manager wants them to do. And so that's where I say identity. It's really important that we come in and I establish this is our identity. This is what we're going to want to try and do. And then you need the flexibility, which is what Conti lacked. Conti has the identity but we didn't have the flexibility where he could say, you know what, I don't really have the right players right now. Maybe maybe I switch this up a game or uh, uh, switch like, my system up here and tweak this and tweak that and try doing four at the back for this game and three at the back for this game and rotate out this guy here and give this guy a break. And you need to have that flexibility. You can't come in and just say, nope, this is the only way I know how to do it. This is what we're going to do. And if you don't like it, fuck off. You can't have that. So you need to have a healthy mix of establishing your identity as a team that the players can buy into. Cause once the players buy into that, that's when teams really mold and take off and they're fun to watch as much as I hate saying it out loud. When you watch Arsenal right now, it's like those players know what they're supposed to be doing. And that's why they're fun to watch. Like, I mean, not fun for us, but like they're an exciting team for the neutral fan to watch because it's like their identity is very clear and Newcastle's the same way. And it's just, We don't have that at the moment, and that's what I really need from our incoming manager is, and that's why I would err on the side of having a guy with a little bit more experience because it'll be easier for the players to buy into an identity. But again, we're going to need a lot new players because a lot of these guys, if they couldn't buy into what Jose Mourinho wanted them to do or they couldn't buy into what Conte's going to wanted them to do, what what makes us think that this same group of players is going to want to buy into the next guy's identity?
0: Well, and that's why I think like a Nagelsman is a nice middle balance. Like mm-hmm. he's the guy that's had some success and he's younger. Like he can relate better with the players um, in the way that Kyle Mates was mentioning. And But but he um, will have an identity and he has some flexibility. We've seen flexibility in his style with the teams that he's coached. Brick. Uh, uh, well, I, I find it extremely
1: interesting that nagel turned down Chelsea because all things being equal, um, as a manager, isn't Chelsea exactly what you want? Uh, a chairman that will just throw money around and buy whoever, whoever thinks is a player? I mean, isn't that what, what, what a coach would want? But I, 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 find, I find it extremely interesting that nagel turned them down and turned them down pretty quickly it wasn't like you know it projected and they offered him and they did you know even he he, he 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 was interviewed and he just went no this is not for me and and i find that extremely interesting and um, that's why i
2: don't have high hopes that he's going to come to us i mean if like you said that's what i that's exactly what you would expect as a manager that's that seems like going to chelsea would be the dream they're just going to launch yeah. money let you do whatever you want and you have free reign to just spend and buy and sell and I, I think that that's why I'm I'm very pessimistic that we'll be ending up getting Nagelsmann just because I no you, I, I no I
1: actually I actually think the I think the opposite because if, if he's going to turn Chelsea for for that reason you know because you know um they they're just going to throw money at the situation and he, you know, he obviously didn't like that then wouldn't he prefer a team where he could actually you know go and scout the right players whether they're... Ten million, twenty million, or 20 million, or fifty million. Do, do you know what I mean? It, it, it seems like he wants a bit more input into who they buy, and not worry about reputations. You know, not worry about big name players.
0: Or he's it, it, hoping the Real Madrid Madrid job comes available like that. That could be the more likely option. But like, I, I hope you're right, Rick. But I'm skeptical. I'm I'm with Lucas. I have a little skepticism about whether. But, it's us that he's uh, turning down Chelsea for. I I think it's um, it it could be well, we that turned out, he's holding up another, down another top team. He just was with Bayern Munich. He might want to go to another top team in the world.
1: Yeah, but why why turn down Chelsea and go to Real Madrid? Chelsea's got much more money than Real Madrid. <laughs> it, but that makes no sense. Um, uh, you know, they have good but, players but 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 it's in the
0: league that you can dominate.
2: And yeah. You're yeah. going to walk out of there with at least you. You could coach at Real Madrid for a couple of years, and you're going to have a couple of league titles. You'll probably make it to the semifinals of the Champions League a couple times at least. Like maybe win the Champions League. Like, it's it's much easier to succeed. You're looking at a, looking at look. If you're going to become a premier like a Premier League manager right now, you're going to have. Like Newcastle's now going to be part of the big top five conversation every year now that they have all the money, and they're trending in the right direction. So we're going to have the conversation is going to be, you're going to have to try and be better than Chelsea. If he comes to Spurs, you're going to have to be trying to be better than Chelsea, Newcastle, Liverpool, Arsenal, City, and United every year. Whereas it's like, if you go to Madrid, you've got to be better than Barcelona and you're going to win the league.
1: Yeah. But that's the point. He turns down Chelsea and comes to us. Then that shows me that he's really the right person.
0: I, I hope he does. And like, I do, I'm, I do. I I'm like I'm, I, I have that like feeling I'm like, it could happen. We could get Nagelsman. And I think he, he he would might be different than the last two, like top coaches that we brought in, in that more, he's more of a squad builder. He has that in his repertoire. He doesn't need to just buy everything. Like he, he can turn players to his system, but, um, I have a feeling it's going to be more like of an Arna Slot or a Vincent Company or somebody like that. Like that. Um, um, but what,
1: no, it, surely Nagrisman's ahead of Vincent Company. Vincent Company's had you know one good season with it. Oh, with, with I, a I don't
0: think it's a. I don't think it's about who our priority list is. I think it's about who his priority list is. Um, Because because you you can absolutely guarantee if if
1: each company stands at Burnley and and they're promoted to the the Premier they're not going to be anywhere near as good as they were in the Championship than they are going to be in the Premiership. Not anywhere near. They're going to be good for about the first three or four months, and then they're going to be lower mid-table for the whole rest of the season. The jump between the Championship and the Premiership is huge. And not many teams survived that first season in the Premiership.
0: Lucas, bring it home in this conversation.
2: Yeah, I'll bring it home. This is the last thing I'll say about it is another thing that's really, really important to me is that we identify the guy that we believe that we want, we identify that guy, and then we aggressively go after him early. We cannot afford... Yeah,
1: but he can can always say no.
2: I mean, mean, and that's
1: not the fault of Levy if if, if
2: the man says no. we need to make it as difficult as possible for this guy to say no, and whatever that means, that means. Whether that's what we're going to be paying him with his annual salary, whether that means we promise him if he's like, I need this, I, I need A, B, C, and D, and we say, okay, done. We'll we'll make that happen. Like we have to be aggressive well, and make it almost impossible for him not to say yes. And we need to go do that earlier rather than later because we cannot afford to do what we did a couple summers ago with Nuno because that can set you back like you're talking about getting set back two or three years. We have to be to go get him early and not not in August. you you,
1: You can't blame Levy for not getting big time managers. The last two managers we got are two of the biggest time managers there have ever been. And whatever he whatever he said to him or whatever he promised, they were both the highest paid managers in the league. So Getting managers is not the problem if they want to come. Do you know what I mean? It, it's yeah, not going to be a
2: wages problem. It's not going to be a transfer yeah. problem. My main point is whether so they just want to come. Getting the business done early is what's important. We can't go through the note thing where we had eight eight different people that we approached and we end up with our ninth choice. It's just, we need to show intent that we're serious about this and we're looking to move back into the right direction.
1: Yeah, no doubt. again, you can only. Already- you can only get managers that say yes. You know, it's not your fault if you have five choices and they all five turn you down for whatever reason. It's not Levy's fault. He's proven that he can get any manager he wants. Um, you know, getting Conte was huge. No one thought that was going to happen. No one. Because we knew what Conte would want. He would want a large transfer budget and he'd want, you know, a commitment, you know, to, you know, to buy lots and lots of players. And Levy got Um, So you know, getting your manager is not the issue. It's whether the the manager wants to come. That's the issue.
0: But um, I, but I, I'm gonna take the final word on this. I uh, like I'm just gonna say like it is a different situation because managers have seen what's happened to Mourinho. They've seen what's happened to Conte, and a lot of them are gonna say I don't know if I want to. Deal with that nonsense. So there well, is so, that, so, that front office part that's making it a little bit more difficult to get them. It's not just about throwing money at them. They meant like, okay, I can get close to this someplace else and I don't have to deal with that Spurs shit. So uh, it's,
1: what, what, I it's I want to make one final point about this. You know, we got Mourinho and we got Conte. Okay. Whatever was promised to them, we gave them. Um Mourinho, we hate it. But by the time he he, he was going to leave, we hated him. You know, uh, the players hated him. The fans hated him. Everybody hated him. Same with Conte. You know, we got Conte. He came in with, you know, uh, a fanfare and everything else. And then he alienated the players. He alienated the fans. We were playing shit and he never tried to change it. It, it was the manager's fault, not Levy's. Levy got them. And it's what they did. That caused them to leave. Do you know what I mean? You know, people people can people can say, "Oh, yeah, well, Levy, you know, Levy does this and Levy does that." You know, um, but you know, Levy had Pochettino for four years. <laughs> you know, um, they're, they're, you can you can only blame the 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 owner so much. He did the best he did. He got two of the best managers in the in the world. And for whatever reason, they both just screwed up, um, and and it was horrible to watch.
0: Yeah, blame blame the ownership, blame the the coach. I think that's an argument for another day, but um, but certainly a valid one with w- what we've been seeing. Uh, but we've got two quick matches to preview. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but the the first one, Manchester United, this Thursday. They're in fourth place. They're looking good. Like they've got some uh, high scoring talent with, like Marcus Rashford, 15 goals right now. Erickson's doing good for them in the uh, the assist category. Um, and the last four times that we've faced Manchester United, we've lost. We have to go back to October 2020 to the last time that we um, beat them. And that was like our 6-1 uh, six, six, victory. Uh, where we totally annihilated them at their home. Um, but it's been pretty bleak recently, and we're coming in with a Ryan Mason interim coach situation. Players might be feeling a little bit better. Anybody have anything? Well,
1: the well, the, the morale of our team is going to be much better than it, it's been before, yeah. um, probably for the last 16 months. And that you can blame on Conte, not leaving. Um, so the morale is going to be a lot better. Um, you know, again, it's the same issue. You know, man, United might play with um, lots and lots of midfielders and maybe passion up front and that's it. So, you know, we need to play with more midfielders. We can't play with two midfielders against probably five. Um, uh, of many So, um, I, I, you know, I want, I want more. I, I really. Want to see Ryan Mason, you know, cheer these players up and, and 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 put a smile back on their faces, and then pick a team, pick a formation that will be the best that could pro- that that could compete in that game, and then if we lose, which you know, pro- probably highly likely because of the quality of players, um, I I won't mind so much, but if he does the same thing as Stellini, the same thing as Conte, and picks the same players. I'm going to be mad as hell.
0: Yeah. Uh, Lucas?
2: Well, I think the big thing is I, I, d- I definitely think that the morale is going to be better. Um, I, I expect us to have I, – I could easily see us winning this. We've seen a lot that in – that's how it works in football sometimes. When you have that new manager appointed, it kind of gets some of the bad blood out of the uh, – or bad – the bad energy out of the air, so to speak. It was like when Potts was when Potch had finally lost the dressing room and everyone kind of gave up and all of a sudden we put in Jose and we looked like a brand new team. It was the same 11 guys, but all of a sudden we looked like guys were flying around and we were bashing in goals against West Ham that first game. So it's, it's easier. To, it's, it wouldn't surprise me at all. If we came out and we ended up winning or something three, one, I expect the atmosphere in the dressing room to be a lot better. I expect the atmosphere in the ground to be a lot better. I'm sure it'll be, I, despite taking a 6-1 ass beating yesterday, I expect there to actually be a good, much more positive energy around White Hart Lane as opposed to just watching the same old formation and the same shit week in and week out. It's been a library in there. So I expect it I expect it to actually be a much more positive, positive uh, atmosphere than we've been seeing. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if we actually ended up getting a win.
1: Okay. Well, well, that's the thing. If if, if it's, it's all down to the players now, I mean, they have got no excuse. But they got rid of the manager they didn't want, and they've got Mason, who they all love. So what they need to do is they need to run out against Man United and show some fucking passion and enthusiasm. And if they go into tackles and they, you know, and they, you know, try and compete in the game, I won't have any argument with it. You know, again, in all likelihood, we probably might lose. But if they show at least they care, they'll get the crowd on their side, and and, and, and they'll get the you know the fans up up, up for it, and you know the fans will be cheering for every tackle and every pass. Um, the players need to show um, that they care, and then if they do, then the fans will
2: care.
0: Uh, Lucas, give me your prediction.
2: I'm going to say we win three-one, and Kane and Kane has a brace, and Richardson scores one. Gets five. Course you,
0: that would be awesome, uh, Rick. Uh, w- what do you have for prediction? I
1: I, I think we'll, we'll show a lot of improvement, but I don't think we have the players to compete. So, I think with a monumental effort, we'll get a one-one draw and Dan Jr. will score.
0: Okay, I like that. Um, I'm gonna uh, uh, like I'm more in a similar vein to Rick here. Um, I have got to see what changes before I can have those positive vibes that put me into the win category, despite the new coach bounce. Um, I'm going to say it's a two, two draw. Um, I think we get a goal from Kane and I think we get a goal from Dan Juma late, like comes off the bench and, and, and scores a goal. Um, but I don't think Mason will change that much up. Um, so on the weekend on Sunday, we have to take on another tough team for us in Liverpool away. Now uh, this is uh, a pretty bleak for us because um, Liverpool uh, away, like um, our last victory against Liverpool was in 2017. Um and we have to go all the way back to May 2011 to find our last road win against uh, uh, Liverpool. So this is not looking good. We we know how good Mo Salah can be. He's at 16 goals right now. Um, you know, he's also equal on assists with Robertson. They have uh, talent in Alexander-Arnold. Uh, but they are sitting in seventh place in the league, so they haven't been putting together that good of a season. They're below us in the table. Um, they do have to play a midweek match similar to us. They have an extra day rest. They play on Wednesday against West Ham. Um, they take on Forest uh, after us. So, uh, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. Their most recent game was their most recent victory was against Forest three uh, two. This weekend, but that was a tough-fought match where Forrest really almost worked out the draw. Um, How are you guys feeling on this game?
1: Well, well, Liverpool are a really odd side. Um, They can look spectacular. You know, they beat mainly 97-0. But they could also be really, really ordinary and lose to basically anybody. Um, And I don't think they've worked out what the common denominator is. Um, You know, I don't think it, it's not team selection, it's not um players available, you know, it's not that, you know, they, they've got some really, really good players. Um, so why they are lackluster in some games and spectacular in other games, they just haven't worked it out. So it basically depends on which Liverpool turns up. You know, if they turn up, you know, in their spectacular form, we're not going to win. If they turn up in their, you know, mediocre form, then we can easily win. Um, it, 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 it's, it, I think this is probably the most difficult game to call. Um, so I'm, I'll probably go for a draw because I, I have no idea what Liverpool is gonna, what Liverpool team is going to turn up.
0: Uh, um. Go ahead, Lucas, and then we'll do predictions.
2: I uh, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll keep it short because I, I, I agree with Rick. But the thing that you never know which Liverpool team is going to show up. Exactly like he said. But the thing that I have, the thing that's unfortunate is, well, when they play Tottenham, I know exactly which Liverpool will show up. So it'll be a good team. They'll be ready to go. We don't win at Anfield. It's like if you told me at, you told me at the beginning of the season, like what what pick two games that you automatically know we're not going to win. I was going to say Stamford Bridge and Anfield are the two that I could tell you right off the bat we're not going to win there. We just don't. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's something. Like a mentality thing with the players, but I just I could even if we have a great turnout against United and we have a great result, I just I don't see us being able to carry that forward going into Anfield. It's just that place is such a bogey ground for us, and we never actually get it done there. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, uh, let's go to predictions from Rick first.
2: Um, two two, I think uh, Kane and Son.
0: Okay, that's a always a safe prediction, uh, Lucas.
2: I'm gonna say two-one to Liverpool and Sun scores.
0: Okay. Um. Yeah, Liverpool away. I just don't see us even getting the uh, the win. Like, uh, I think we probably have a better chance uh, of a draw against Manchester United. But both of these games are kind of like a. Uh, th- this is really a shitty place to be. Like the upcoming games for Ryan Mason is kind of a, an unfair situation to walk into. Um, I do think we lose here. I'm going to say three-two. We get a goal from Kane again, and uh, this time I think uh, I think it's Son that that comes through again. Like he's been on a bit of a more of a hot spell. Um, well, I-,
1: I, I, I do I do want to say one thing. I think if we had uh, Crystal Palace and um, I don't know. Northern and Forest coming up, then maybe Stellini wouldn't have got sacked. Um, but the fact that we played so diabolically bad against Newcastle, and then we've got Man United and Liverpool coming, there was no way
0: Stellini was going Yeah, now I think it would have been either way, but like I would feel better for Mason. Like nobody's going to blame Mason if he loses both of these games. But well, I,
1: I don't expect us to win a game uh, uh, again this season. I really don't. <laughs> I
0: I hope that we do. Like I hope that we we get to... I just want it to be exciting for uh, for a bit. Like maybe some back and forth. We score some goals. Maybe we give up some goals. We have some shit to get excited about. That's really what I well, want. That, and this is a good thing. A this is a good wrap up conversation too. Like
1: well, that's I, that, that, that's the thing. I, I, that's the thing. I, th- I think we'll be, we'll be much better in enthusiasm and in commitment and, and, and uh, morale. I, I, I think that will happen, um, but we just lack quality. We lack quality everywhere on the pitch. So you know, from uh, when you have man-to-man matchups between our, our sport and Liverpool's, and man-to-man matchups between our sport and Man United, we are so inferior quality-wise that that's going to be the issue. Against uh, I,
0: teams, shirt. I think against the rest of the league, we have like we have Harry Kane up top. We have and Son, like these are guys that can't compete when they're firing on their at their best. It's uh, yeah, but I
1: they got no one in midfield to give them a ball.
0: Yeah, it's the rest of the the, the yeah. No fair point, uh, Lucas. Uh, final thoughts?
2: Nope. Just I really want to see passion from the players these next two games. That's it
0: yeah passion. that will
2: get the fans back that will get the fans back on the
1: side if they yeah. if they show that then the fans won't mind if we lose because we'll be losing
0: on quality and not effort yeah exactly yeah uh, like i i can take a loss if it, if there is passion there again and and we're playing to our players skill sets again like as limited as they might be at times, like uh, have a smart strategy for your player skill sets for a change. But I think this is a good place to wrap it up. So uh, uh, I'm Anthony. You can find me on Twitter at, at Callahan 42, K-A-L-I-H-A-N 42. Uh, Lucas, where can they find you?
2: I'm on Twitter and Instagram as well. One word, Lucas Rusky, L-U-C-A-S-R-U-S-K-E. Come chat Spurs with me anytime.
0: And Rick, where can they find you?
2: Uh, on Twitter, it's Desira Rick, uh
1: D-E-S-I-R-A Rick. Or you can email me at uh, ricksmg at gmail.com.
0: Great. Well, uh, th- that about wraps it up. So thank you so much to Rick and Lucas for this great conversation today. As uh, miserable as the conversation has been, it's been great to have it with you guys. Um, uh, so, uh Thank you for, to Tommy for editing today, Charlie uh, for the music, Sam for social media, and Kimberly for the logo. And as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill. Come on out and watch us uh, watch these two matches with us this week. Uh, um, we'll, we'll be the, I think we'll all be there watching both of these matches. Find us on our many platforms, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher, and many more. And hit the subscribe button and write us a review on those platforms. Or give us a review wherever you get your platform or wherever you get your podcasts, not your platforms. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at 4 stars Spurs and our website at 4 Come on, you spurs.